What's up, church planners and church planning enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend Matt Hess, and you guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. Uh, this podcast isn't just for church planters, though. It's for anybody uh, who is interested in church planting or who's a fan of church planting. This podcast is for anyone who wants to get out there and get in the trenches and proclaim the kingdom of God. Uh, we've got a, a cool episode today, Matt. Yeah. We've, got, we've got some guests with us today. So you guys want to introduce yourselves, kind of go around the table, and we'll start to my left and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Jermaine Wall. I'm a church planting resident at Fellowship Pickering to North Oshawa. Hey guys, I'm Joshua McKay. I'm a church uh, planning resident with uh, Fellowship Pickering. Hey, I'm uh, Stephen Saloma, and I'm a church planter a resident in uh, uh, Fellowship Rouge Park. And my name is Matt Hess. I'm a church planning resident wherever anybody will take me. <laughs> Matt, Matt's, Matt is right now submitting resumes, so yes, wanna, I'm looking interested. to get into a good residency program. Yeah, he's looking. He's looking around, so you'll take him. <laughs> let us know. So yeah, but yeah, so um, Matt, I guess first of all, before we jump into things, we're going to be talking about uh, church planning residencies, and we're going to be talking to these guys kind of about their experience. Yeah, in the fellowships network, and and um, you know, kind of how that's this experience has been for them thus far. But before that, man, we've got to catch up. There's some things that have happened since the last time you and I saw each other. Um, how you doing, man? We're doing good. We just got back from the States. You did. Been down there for two weeks. You're on your preaching circuit? On my preaching circuit, I rode a horse uh, from stop to stop. <laughs> yes. For all of our listeners that are like 22, they're like, what is, what's they, a preaching circuit? They haven't studied. You'll study John Wesley, young man. Just hold out. Just wait. What's I don't horse? know, man. The young and restless and reformed are, they're up, they're, they're only up and up. Well, is Wesley wasn't reformed though, so hmm. maybe not. Maybe you don't know who Wesley is. <laughs> if you're young, restless and reformed, stop listening they to us. Find w- another Whitfield. They know Whitfield. They know Whitfield. They know Whitfield. They know Whitfield. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they, was they a, know Calvin. Yeah. It was a good time. Man, we had a lot of fun. Yes, a lot of preaching. It was, uh, I think I preached seven times in about eight, nine days. Wow, you are really important. I'm a really important person. <laughs> the reason why Jared is saying that is because I just told them a story about a friend of mine. So uh, I preached that. I had the privilege to preach at my alma mater, my seminary I went to, and uh, in Memphis. And uh, a friend of mine uh, is a on, on part of their faculty now and he showed me his office I walked in and I said wow you are a very important person <laughs> and so it was pretty funny I, I think we could have planned a church in that office actually so I, I, I told him that I said this is bigger than some of our meeting spaces <laughs> but yeah man it was a lot of fun it was good to catch up with family and and uh, to see everybody Erica's grandfather has had a lot of uh, health problems over the past uh, six months or so and um, it was really good to see him and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was good. Awesome, man. How about you? Uh, well, I had surgery yeah. while you were gone, so that was exciting. And so I'm kind of recovering. You finally got those calf enhancements we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah. I've been so insecure about my calves and you know what? I finally decided to do something about it. Enough already. I'm going I'm to, Jared said, I'm going to rock it. I'm tired of people making fun of me. Yeah, I'm going to rock it this summer yeah. during beach season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shorts all year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my wife already can't keep her hands off of me yeah. because of my it's calf true. enhancements. Yes, yeah, so. true. <laughs> MTV used to have a show about, I don't know if you guys ever saw this, there was a show about young like people who were like obsessed over this thing, and there was this one dude who was like moderately fit. Joshua McKay, by the way, is a bodybuilder, and so he's always critiquing all of our you know parts and stuff like, no, I'm just he, he's been helping me a lot with my, with my fitness Matt's dreaming right now yeah but this guy was obsessed with his calves and it was such a crazy episode because he was like a moderately fit guy just like an average fit guy but he thought he really needed to do something about his calves and so he got these calf implants I guess a lot of guys do it yeah there was a pro wrestler in the really? 90s who got calf implants and then he got like nearly died one of them exploded I remember this story one of the calf I implants forget and he got like a severe infection oh and, lord yeah he nearly died yeah. which takes us back to the gospel yeah, yeah. Perfect, right perfect circle I, yeah. yeah I just don't understand after just after going through surgery why somebody would want to voluntarily go through that yeah. to <laughs> 
to like make their calves look bigger. It doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, for our listeners, I'm okay. Yes. Everything's good. I had a benign tumor removed from my neck area and all is good. Everything went great. Yeah, Surgery went totally successful. So we're praising God for that. Yeah. Definitely mm-hmm. excited to move on and don't have to worry about it anymore. Amen. So it's pretty cool. The Lord was with me during my surgery of your I removed it. I didn't. No, Matt did not. He was in America. We made sure to schedule the surgery when he was like not even near the vicinity. He was out of the country. Literally. So my initials are HSMD, Matthew Daniel. And I tell Eric when I get my doctorate, I'm not telling nobody. That's a, that's a doctorate of ministry. So you're gonna you're gonna sign like all your oh, emails. Yeah. You're, that's gonna be your signatory. Oh yeah, HSMD. There you go. So it's like an airplane in my mind. I imagine. Dude, is there a doctor on this plane? Yes. <laughs> I'll never ever call you doctor, no matter what. I don't care how many degrees you get. Medical, but if I go to uh, medical school, you'd have to. Mm, I don't have to. Uh, my father in law is a doctor. I don't call him doctor. Well, that's because he's your father in law. Why would you call your father in law? That'd be kind of weird. Doc, doctor. <laughs> That would be a little bit weird. Church planning residencies. Yeah, church planning residencies. So, Matt, uh, I guess what I want to start with is let's define what a church planning residency is and and maybe get into, like, why we should start them in the first place. Why are they a good idea? Man, I'm really excited about this topic. When we were doing the planning uh, several months ago um, for this episode, I thought it was going to be a lot of fun just because we love these guys so much, right? You know, Jermaine, Josh, and Steven are doing good things already. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion about where residencies are. When we talk all the time in the fellowships, we talk about discipleship being centered around three components, the head, hand, and heart. So there's information you have to know in order to grow in your relationship with Christ. There's things that you have to do with the hand in order to grow in Christ. And there's things you have to feel or experience emotionally, spiritually in your heart in order to grow in Christ. And I like to think of our residency program the same way because... When we first got into church planning, and my, I did a church planning residency in my sending church, and they were they were incredible. But I was the first guy that had ever gone through it, so you know they really didn't know what to do, and so they reached out to a, a well known church that was kind of doing church planning already, and it was it was essentially like a lot of read a lot of these books and give book reports on these things, and they gave me opportunities, other opportunities and stuff. And looking back, I did a little bit of the the doing, you know, but it was like, go and see what this church plan is doing in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was kind of like, that's the church, by the way. Remember I told you the story about they were doing the Lord's supper and they gave out the goldfish for the crackers. Remember I, told you that? I don't remember that story. Yeah. And, uh, the guy afterwards was like, that's pretty funny, right? I, like we did the goldfish. I was like, mm. actually, I think it's a little bit heretical. <laughs> so, but <laughs> anyways, I digress, oh. but, but yeah, so when we came here and God gave us the vision to start the fellowships, we really wanted to run these residency programs, not just off of, hey, let me give you a lot of information or let me let, let, read all these books and then do book reports, get back with me. Mm-hmm. And how I always envision is that they're a lot more practical. You know, it was a lot more watch what I do, follow me, be with me kind of thing. And so they, I feel like they've gotten better and better as the years have gone by, because you learn with each one, right? And so I feel like now we have a lot more set schedule. We're going to get into a little bit more what those things look like. But for me, a residency is taking a leader who feels called to church planning and developing them with information they have to know, theologically, doctrinally, you know, um, the DNA and heartbeat of what your fellow, the network is about, the fellowships in this case, um, what they need to know, what they need to do. So, you know, well, I'm no, I know we'll get into this, but you're not really doing a residency. If you never have to share the gospel, if you never are taught how to disciple somebody, if you're not ever given an opportunity to, to preach the word in like a house with five guys, like we did in the beginning, or in a service, these guys are a little spoiled. Like they're getting to preach on Sunday mornings and stuff. But um, and you're not really, you're not really in a residency program if you don't have a point in time in that program where you feel something, where you feel the weight of it, mm-hmm. where you feel like, man, it's not on me that these lost people 
need Christ and are going to hell without without me. But where you feel the the the, the gravity of the responsibility or the weight of man, this is a great calling. Yeah. That and there's a lot to that. So I, I could go into a lot more, but I know we don't have time. I know we'll get into a lot of other stuff. But that's kind of just how the head hand heart. Sure. I, I think that's how. And real briefly before we we, we talk to the guys, um, can you? Just describe how the residency works with the Fellowships Network. Just give a real brief snapshot overview. So I get this question. I I get asked this weekly, it seems like. And so I'm going to give a really quick from start to finish, okay? Okay. So the first thing is people want to know, like, how how do you get connected with these guys? And there's the Holy Spirit's doing all that, right? So it's all through relationship. That's how we like to think primarily runs through relationships. Our church plants, we want to find local church planners inside of our church plants that are already established and then through other relationships, of course. But it's very simply, it starts with like informational meeting. Somebody wants to know more about church planning or whatever. And um, we they, they fill out a short form application. They give a short form application, just basic information, a little bit of a little bit of doctrinal, theological stuff, but not much at all. Mm-hmm. A little bit of stuff like that. The second step is a sit down with uh, either myself or if it's one of our church plants, like Pastor Case Van at Rouge Park or yourself at Oshawa or somebody else, then they would sit down with them. And if I'm invited to that meeting, then I'm invited and I sit down as well. And we get to know a lot when you look a guy in the eyes and you start to ask about their calling, their ministry, those kinds of things. So that's the second step. If we feel like we want to move forward, we invite them to fill out a long form application. That's intentionally long. It's what's called a long form application. And it takes a good couple hours to complete. Um, and that's where we get into more of the nitty gritty calling, theological stances, views mm-hmm. on potentially second, secondary doctrinal issues, women in ministry, um, that kind of stuff. And then after that, if there are no red flags, essentially our network leadership team will come together and talk about that potential candidate. Mm-hmm. And then if we all feel we pray about it and we take time and we say, yeah, let's do it. Then we invite that person into a six month get to know your face. That's the fourth step. Mm-hmm. We just want them to be good, solid church members. And we're not going to promise them money. We're not going to promise them anything. We're not going to say to them, you're going to plan a church with the fellowships. We used to do that. And we learned a lot of lessons from that. So yeah. we don't do we that. Had no to pull more. the plug a couple we, times. Yeah. yeah. And so four to be exact. Yeah. And uh, so what we did, what we said in that phase is that's a really important phase for the network and for our local churches. Cause you get, to, you can't, you can't see somebody can tell you anything. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, man, I want to be a multiplying church. People can tell you anything. They can tell you anything they want. They think you want to hear. And if guys have been in ministry, they know all the right words. And so, but they're not six months you can see what kind of work ethic they have. You can see about their calling. You can see why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. If they if they're in it for the right reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Man, after that six months, if um, we we have another meeting, that's the fifth step, and we say, hey, listen, we see God's calling on your life. We we see the fruits of this. Um, here's a couple of red flags. Maybe can you deal with these things? Are these non negotiables for you? Whatever they might be, uh, no, I can't. Oh, praise God! We're, we'll, we'll, we'll say God bless you. Go do something else in your life. We're going to champion it. We want you to be successful. Um, but if those things can be talked about and we can grow in those things, which ninety percent of the time we can, then we move forward. And that's when we invite them into an official residency program. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, that can last as little as one year, and it can go as long as three years. And then that's when we start to flesh out tools, the pipeline, practical uh, stuff. Hey, come with me. I'm going to the hospital. I just want to show you what it looks like to do a hospital visit. Mm-hmm. If you think back to your residency, we did some of that stuff. Just little things like that. And then, you know, there's we build that out for, sure. for each candidate. Yep. So that's, that's awesome. kind of what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, like you mentioned back in my residency, like obviously that that structure wasn't there when I came up to Canada. And, yeah. you know, like it was just, you know, you guys fellowship Pickering and then fellowship Rouge Park had just recently started. And so it was really just me kind of shadowing you and in a sense you know it was like okay just follow me and do what i do and that's kind of how it was early on and and we'll talk about like how you can get one of these started but you know i think that's sometimes a good first step before you have structure is just find a guy that 
it has a calling on his life and that wants to and say, hey, follow me and start doing what I do. Yeah. Um, I want to ask the guys here at the table, the guys that are going through the residency right now at the Fellowships Network, just from your perspective, what have been some of the benefits of being a part of a church planting residency like this? Anyone of you guys can go first. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll jump in. Um, this whole uh, this whole process for me has been um, a real answer to prayer. Um, you know, I often explain my faith as kind of like the power of an atomic bomb and really not knowing how to contain it. Um, so when I uh, when I was able to uh, get connected with Matt and Jared, um, I could as I was sitting down and talking with Jared initially, God was really just speaking to me and I could just see those answers to prayer starting to come together. And um, I wept. I, I remember I, I remember going home and just, you know, having those times with the Lord and just just thanking him that I was able to see this all coming um, to fruition. Um, so for me, it's been, uh, it's been really channeling um, all of the, the desire I have to proclaim the name of Christ, uh, to see him glorified. Um, I'm, I'm really starting to see um, it all kind of come together. So all of that power, all of that passion being funneled into um, uh, a real working system um, and, uh, it's, it's beautiful. That's, mm. that's really the, <laughs> the best way I can kind of put it together. And I'm just so fortunate to have this group of men right here with me, um, who I've prayed for, by the way. Um, yeah. so to have this accountability is, uh, is just awesome and God given. Awesome. I think I share a lot of that too. Um, one of the things that I, uh, that I found to be very important during my experience as a church, uh, planting resident is the, the fellowship, the, a community of uh, of church planters, people who have been in the experience, especially not just uh, in church planting experience, but in the context of the city that I'm going to be planting in, and they understand the you know the ins and outs of the city. They they get what's uh, what the history has been, uh, what other things uh, some people try to do and failed or whatever uh, things that information that was uh, helpful in in figuring out seeing where exactly I am and, and seeing how best to proceed from there. So having this network, this network of, of pastors of people who are passionate about church planting uh, has been invaluable for me. Uh, so uh, just the friendships, the, the ability to say, hey, I can call on somebody and say, what's going on? What I'm thinking about this? What do you think about it? And, and all that. Just just the availability of a network of people who are, who are in the same boat as you are mm-hmm. has been very, very helpful. I think for me, it's been, you know, like you mentioned before, that it, it often, <clears throat> these things can often be really theoretical. Mm-hmm. really information heavy and there is a a really good amount of uh of, of book learning so to speak in the context of the uh, church planning pipeline that we you know we really like and it's been amazing for us but the thing for me that's been amazing is the the practical hands-on part of it yeah. i mean you know it's not like you're in like a pilot simulation type thing where you're just kind of pretending like we're actually going up and preaching the word. Mm. We're actually out in the harvest sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And even in such a short amount of time, we've gotten to face like really unique situations and circumstances that you can't, you can't duplicate. Mm-hmm. And it's just stuff where you're, you kind of, you sometimes feel like you're in over your head, but this is normal day-to-day pastoral ministry that you guys yeah. probably, you face a lot. And so just being able to do those things realist, like, like actually do them is pretty amazing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's, there's so much value in being able to do this in community, you know, um, as opposed to going out as kind of like a lone wolf, you know, and just planting and, and, you know, just, uh, and I think that church planters in particular always want to run fast, right? Uh, usually guys on, you know, the apex scale, if they're an ape, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, evangelistically bent, uh, they want to go, go, go. And, uh, a lot of times, you know, I remember I, I, that's one of the uh, things I remember most about my pre-planting phase was I was like a racehorse just waiting for that gate to open. I wanted mm-hmm. so bad to take off and run. But I, but even though it wasn't, you know, it was a short amount of time taking that, you know, it was just nine months for me. But just taking that yeah. nine months to force myself to slow down a little bit and wait was invaluable. And to be honest, looking back, it probably wouldn't have hurt to take an additional nine months, mm-hmm. uh, to, just to be real. And I think we can get 
so focused on, you know, go, 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 multiply, 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 fast, 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 right? And I, I think that we can uh, sometimes be unwise uh, in the way that we want to, you know, go so rapidly. And, and you've got the benefit in a network like this of learning from other people's mistakes, mm-hmm. right? Of observing what other people are doing instead of going and, you know, having to learn lessons the hard way mm-hmm. uh, yourself. You get a longer on-ramp to kind of develop your vision and pray and uh, and really seek the Lord's will uh, wherever in what it, wherever your field is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, you get to, you, you just get to have that brotherhood and that camaraderie where you're not alone, uh, which I think is, is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, of, one other thing that I noticed as well is that, uh, you know, like you say, that one, once we are on, on the field, you, you really want to get the work done. You really want to see some progress. You really want to see uh, uh, people coming to Christ, church being built. Um, and I think without the network of, uh, of of pastors who are in the field with you uh, and without residency there is no uh, real accountability mm. where you somebody can ask you real tough questions mm-hmm. like why are you doing what you're doing why are you prioritizing this um, and and why are you selecting uh, the the area that you were going into. What are your motivations and 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 and, and even more personal issues uh, like like family, like time management and stuff like that. Um, uh, what I find very very <clears throat> very precious is the fact that being a resident gives somebody else permission to ask you those questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because without that, I mean. They might not feel like they have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might not feel like they have the right to to your life, oh, and 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 even if they see some some red flags, they might just let you go because mm-hmm. they, you know, the reasons that uh, that accountability. And yeah. I find that in the in the network to be precious. Yeah, and then um, that's good. Yeah, what Steve was talking about is uh, <coughs> relation relational equity, right? Like mm-hmm. if you are. If you are in relationship with people, so like the, that process I explained, like if there's an on-ramp of even getting into a residency where it's not like uh, just fill out this form and, you know, if, if we approve you and you're in the residency. But if, it, if you're actually in relationship with people, then they can speak difficult things into your life. And then on the plus, on the other hand, you get to speak encouragement into those men's life and their family's life. And so... When I think about residencies and when I think about why we're so passionate about this, it's really more about it's really more more about mentorship and discipleship and and relationship because you know any of you guys or any guys in our past, I mean, they can go on and do other things, and I'm still going to be in relationship with them. They're still going to have a relationship with this network. It's not it's not exclusively about church planting. I always think that. We're, we're developing men, we're developing leaders, we're developing dads, mm-hmm. we're, de- we're developing husbands, you know, and that's much more powerful than just saying like, let me teach you how to plant a church. Yep. You know, we're trying to make, yep. we're trying to grow healthy men. That's right. Um, I, I want to ask a question, just pose a question to the group and, and whoever wants to kind of chip in. So I, I had a, had a little conversation the other day, uh, kind of a, a question that got posed online and, um, you can lecture me later about the, the, uh, the benefits of having debates, theological debates online, but, um, <laughs> I'll let you know, they don't, they don't help. Yeah. Basically the, uh, the crux of the conversation was, was this, is there was, there was a couple of people who were contending that, um, uh, that church planters, uh, don't and shouldn't be held to this, the standards of an elder, uh, in first Timothy three and Titus one that we see and that they're, they're done really. So I had a, I had a guy tell me basically that, um, you know, we've moved away from what the models that we see in acts and what the only thing that really matters is if somebody says, if somebody, you know, is saved and they've present, presented evidence that they're saved. And if they express a desire to want to plant a church, then you shouldn't stand in their way. You should let them go for it. And I, you know, I, so I want to kind of pose this to you guys. What do you guys think about that? And Jermaine sounds like you want to chime in. Yeah. I mean, you know, if that list of, uh, if the qualifications of elder, uh, you know, if those were competency based, if those were skill based or ability based, I might agree with that. But the fact is, is that they're character based, and there's no like, like we're 
we're using that those qualifications we've kind of taken those for for what we're doing and we've stretched that to core team not just elder mm-hmm. and because and the reason is is because and one of the things we've learned in this residency is that any success we're going to see in ministry is going to come from an overflow of, of what God is already doing in your heart. That's right. And that that overflow can be defined by character. That's still mm-hmm. one of the ways that you can measure that. Yeah. And so, like, what you know, if you want to apply the term qualification of elder or not, like, you can use the terms or not. But mm-hmm. to me, that if you don't have that character, then, like, I don't know what – you're sending people up to fail yeah. if you're just saying as long as you're saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just, know. just to jump in on that, I'd say – Anyone that says moving away from anything um, scripture related would give personally me a red flag. Um, You know, our only accountability and our only authority is the word of God. Um, And it's pretty clear um, that, you know, the church was was planted based on what scripture says. Um, So I think, (laughs) you know, if anything, we're going to follow. We're going to follow the word. Um, Mm -hmm. And that that's uh, that's crucial. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a dangerous thing to I mean uh, leadership is a very uh, intense responsibility is huge I don't think that you can just uh, get saved and then and get into because basically church planting is leadership is Mm -hmm. is most of what we do yeah. is leadership. Right. You're leading people to the Lord. You're leading people in the, in growth, in, mm-hmm. and and you you answering questions. You you are dealing with people who have uh, different levels of maturity. Um, so, if the Bible gives a guideline like that, I think it should be even more stricter on on church planters than it is, mm-hmm. you know, on on any other uh, position of yeah. leadership. So I, I don't think that's um, that that's a wise way of looking at at, at, yeah. at church planning. When you when you read through the book of Revelation, each each indictment or depending on what translation you use, maybe complaint of each of the churches, it always came back to a character thing. Mm-hmm. You did this, you did this, but you're allowing this person to persist in your church, or you've embraced sexual immorality, or you've embraced this, or you've embraced yeah. that. Yeah. Repent. You, you keep keep saying to them, repent, mm-hmm. turn from your sin. And so you can see that, like as Christ is like looking at the churches, he's looking for character. Yeah. And like I think if we learn anything in this program, is that like what if there's no character, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think I think like in the beginning we thought. Let's just plant as many churches as possible. And that's what we want to do. We want to start churches. And just because of the nature of how I'm wired, I'm very apostolic. I didn't think through some of these things in the beginning, you know, and we just kind of had an epiphany about three, four years into it. And we're just like, why would we ever, (laughs) why would we ever send anybody out? That's not an elder. Mm-hmm. Because there's only two offices in scripture, elder and deacon, or pastor and deacon, or deaconess, whatever tribe, or however you uh, parse that. But I, I personally think that when you just lay hands on somebody and say, okay, like, God bless you, go get them, tiger. It's very, very dangerous mm-hmm. because ministry and and you guys are residents and Stephen has been in ministry a, a long time. But you guys are going to learn. I mean, and you already have in some ways because you've already experienced some of this with us. But ministry is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of and, and you're on the front. You're on the front lines, to be frank, in church planting. And I believe Satan is even hungrier to attack us mm-hmm. and our marriages and our families. And so I just think I just think that if if you're not if hands aren't laid on you, if you're not an elder, why would we ever endorse you to be a church planter to plant a church mm-hmm. you're you're going to lead that church and you're not an elder who who we don't just say i, I want to be an elder oh, you're an i'm an elder now you know we don't we don't give ourselves titles <clears throat> you know we're joking about the doctor thing earlier you know but no people do call themselves doctors and and they get arrested it's, it's illegal. You're not supposed to do it. And people do it in the academic world and they get in trouble because they're, they, you know, they ruin their careers and all this other kind of stuff. And you don't just get to call yourself an elder. You don't just get to call yourself a pastor because you want to. I think it's something what we see in scripture where a group of men in a church got, comes around you. They recognize your calling. They lay hands on that brother 
And what we, what a church planting residency is really about is it's, it's preparing you for ministry. It's preparing you for life. And, and then I, I, I do think at the end of these residencies, that ultimately, if that hasn't happened yet, that there will be an ordination process and there will be an elder candidacy process and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's dangerous just to say, like, I'm a pastor, I'm an elder, I'm a church planner, I'm going to go lead this ministry. And nobody's no local church has really ever come around you and endorsed you and endorsed your ministry. Yeah. Or And here's a, here's a key word I think we need to look at. Examined your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I Guys that say, like, I don't want to be examined. I don't want to be... Guys that say, I don't want to be examined. I don't want to be pushed back on. I don't want to be, I don't want to be under authority. Make me really nervous because we're all under spiritual authority. All of us. I'm under authority. Um, And so that's what I would say about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here's why I'm bringing this up and here's why this is relevant. Because if, if character doesn't ultimately matter, like if these things don't ultimately matter, then there's really no point in having church planning residencies. Like we should just at that point, just start sending people out. Like let's lay hands on them and send them out. Hey, they said they want to start a church. Let's do it. Let's not stand in their way anymore. And let's do it. We're contending that that's not biblical, that that's not, that that's not wise that, and, and here's the, so Matt and I, you guys know, if you've listened to us for any length of time, you know that both of us, we are strong endorsers of team church planting. We believe in an APES leadership. We believe that we need to be equipping uh, the lay persons for ministry, that that it's our job to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that every single member of the body of Christ needs to be out there. If you don't, I mean, all you have to do is go listen to the last episode we did with Brad Briscoe to understand that. However, um, there is a danger where we can veer off into what I would call hyper egalitarianism. And when I say egalitarian, I'm not talking about the the debate between you know women in ministry. I'm talking about egalitarianism in terms of where we basically make uh, leadership null and void in the church. We're all leaders. Everybody's equally a leader and there's really no leadership. And I just, I don't, I don't see that in the Bible. I think leadership still matters. I think there's still certain people uh, that God equips and calls into specific roles, not because of anything having to do with them, not because they deserve it or they earned it, but simply by his grace. That's why the apostle Paul opens up every single letter with something along the lines of Paul, an apostle called by the will of God, right? Or, Or something along those lines. He understood God had given him a unique role, a a unique leadership role as an ambassador, as a sent out one, as an apostle, right? And that um, he had been given that authority by God to lead. And he spoke with authority into people's lives. Not everybody in the first century church could speak with the authority that Paul did because God had not entrusted them with that same authority. And so I, I think the point is that like leadership matters and we've got to develop leaders. We can't just, you know, send people out um, willy nilly, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when we talk about everybody big and we got to move on to nuts and bolts of this episode. I know but when we talk about leadership, you know, everybody is a leader to a certain degree. And I get that language and I understand that, you know, and I mean, like if you're a stay at home mom or whatever, man, you're leading your kids on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a covenanted church member, there are certain aspects of your life that we ask you to lead in. But to your point, just be, just because you're a covenant member of a church or, or, or whatever it might be, it doesn't give you the authority to, to speak into an entire network or other leaders' lives in a certain way that, in a, in a way that God has called and set men apart to do and be. So I think that's important that we that we that we think through those things for sure. All right, so let's let's move on to this. What what do you what do you think uh, are some critical, non-negotiable components that should be a part of any church planning residency? So like, if we don't have this, then our church planting residency is dead in the water. This has got to be a component of it. Yeah. I mean, a clear plan. So if, you know, in the beginning, you know, we, we didn't have that. And I would say like before a clear plan, it takes somebody or it takes a group who has a real passion to develop leaders. You, you, it's, 
you know, it's not a personality thing. I hate that when guys will say, well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have your personality, Matt. Like it's not a personality thing. We got to get over that. I'm so tired of having that personality conversation with people. It's developing leaders. Isn't about if you're an extrovert or if you're an introvert, Mm -hmm. developing leaders is about a passion for multiplication and to giving your life away into the next generation long after you're gone. So I think, first of all, you you have to have that passion to want to see leaders come up from the harvest. And then the clarity, having a clear plan. In the beginning, we were super passionate about developing leaders, and but we didn't know how. We were like, uh, just follow me and, you know, we'll go knock on doors. We'll go do this. We'll go do that. And I think, man, I still believe that's the best way to learn. Me personally, I still believe that that's a great way to learn. But it can't be the only way. you got to develop something that's clear and something that's reproducible. Because if you don't develop something reproducible, I could teach, you know, Billy how to be a church planner, how to be a leader and all these kinds of things. But if I don't give him like a document or some steps or what happens when he leads the person to Christ and he, yeah, well, well, and then the proponents will say, or the people would argue against this would say, well, he'll, he'll just do what you taught him to do. He's going to forget what I taught him to do. Mm-hmm. There has to be a path. It's kind of like the game of telephone too. Farther it gets down the line, right? Like it's going to eventually get skewed and you're going to lose the original vision. Absolutely. Right? You're going to lose so, the original vision. Like, yeah. Like so, yeah. we are people, human beings that make mistakes yeah. and we have centered our lives. So passion to want to develop leaders, passion to want to, to be involved in their lives to, to, to stay in touch with them, not just mm-hmm. this stoic plastic, mm-hmm. but to really get to know their families. Again, it's about discipleship. Yeah. It's about mentorship. So, you know, my wife has a big part to play in, in how uh, I personally develop leaders as well. And then it has to be clear. You have to be clear. I would just have this too. Before you speak, this expectations. Sorry, I'm, I'm starting. I'm starting to, I don't know. Sometimes I have thoughts go through my head you that, can't make, help that make me laugh, and I just had one of those. And I was looking at Matt, and I started to started to smile. And Matt was, I, I know, get, I, I get that tell, a lot. I could tell Matt was like, Matt was like, "What are you laughing about?" So yeah. Sorry. So you gonna share this now? I had a joke go through my head. Oh that, Lord! So, I have no. I only say <laughs> probably about twenty five percent of the jokes that go through my head when we're recording <laughs> because I, I have a filter and I go, "Wait, this might be inappropriate." And so I just silence it. So that's what happened. Well, clean up your gutter of mind, it's man. It's not a gutter of mind. It just would have been inappropriate for our podcast. It doesn't mean it's like morally. It's not morally inappropriate. Yeah. I just might it might offend some people. And so well, that's well then. I, I definitely then, don't want to do that. Then don't say it. I, well, I'm not. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> I would say. I would say that. Um, you know, to, to, to have passion to develop leaders, to have a clear plan. But man, in that clear plan, this is one of the biggest things I see. We're all adults at this table. And anybody that we're not, we're not asking seven-year-olds to be church plan residents. And what I mean by that is having clear expectations. This is what we want of you. This is what we need to see. This is what I'm going to give to you. And it, and it goes both ways, by the way. You know, it's not a dictatorship. If, if, if we're not giving you something that we f- you felt like you were promised to, let's have a conversation about that. We've done that before, you know. And but when there is no clear expectations on on what we're all doing here, man, it can go side, south mm-hmm. r- really bad mm-hmm. r- or really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think just having the um, expectations on the table to say this is what we're going to ask of you. Yeah. So like this is. Hey, this is when we're going to meet. This is how many hours a week yep. I'm expecting you to give. This is how much I want you. This is how many hours I expect you to be in the harvest. Here's the books that we're going to read. Here's the timetable that we're, you know, going to follow, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Here's, here's the kind of accountability that we want to put in place in yes. your life, right? Here's the, uh, you know, doctrinal standards, you know, yeah. that we have, you know, that, that like, Hey, if we're going to walk together, then we need to be on the same yeah. page. Those, I think those are the kind of expectations that Matt is talking about. Um, Man, you said something that that's really important that I think our listeners need to hear. And these guys need to hear because they're going to want to all multiply and lead leaders someday. Doctrinal accountability. You mentioned that word. I think there's different levels of what people can and can't do. If you want to be a covenant church member, uh, I'll be as bold as to say as our entire network because I feel like I know our church is well enough. I think that that level of how you see maybe some secondary doctrinal issues, we can get go along to get along and we can be in harmony together. I think when you get to the leader level, 
I think when you get to the elder church planner level, I think you got to be on the same page pretty consistently across the board. Yep. Because especially in the early days, we uh, I'm, I'm saying this from experience because we, we, we've had candidates or we've had, re- I mean, residents. And we very quickly, before we had that on-ramp, we very quickly figured out that, man, these guys are not on the same page where we are. And we had to end it. And, and it ended harmoniously, you know, by God's grace. But I think if we would have went forward, there ultimately would have been division. It would have been bad. Yeah. And you got to be unified. Yep. If you're going to build the kingdom. So I would just, throw just that in. if I could just chime in on that, um, that's something I really appreciated myself. The fact that you wanted to get to know me, yeah. um, you know, and really almost to a sense, test me yeah. to see where I'm at, you know, to, to relationally, just to see who I am as a man. Um, yeah. What is my level of integrity? Yeah. Um, my relationship with the Lord. Um, so just personally, I can just, I can attest to that, that yeah. this whole thing is really important in terms of mm. getting to know who these leaders are. Yeah. Um, because it could be, it could be a catastrophe. Yeah. You know, if you go, if you get too far along. I think to, that's a good word, man. I think to Jared's point, I think the reason why sometimes we just send guys out, it's a lot easier to just say, man, go get them. Oh, look how many churches we've planted. Yep. You don't know the leader. <laughs> you don't know what he's doing. Yep. You don't know what you're endorsing. You know, we want to multiply, but what are you multiplying? That right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then, man, let's just be frank. Every, all of us have relational equity and all of us have circles of influence and all that stuff. And so every time you start a new church and I invite other people into that circle of influence and you start to bring other people, I connect people to you or Josh or, you know, uh, Stephen, uh, whoever it might be, man, that's like, you're kind of attaching your name and reputation to that every single time. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just like one plant or one person. Like you're talking about a whole network mm-hmm. and you can't bubble proof. You can't bulletproof like, you know, the whole thing. Cause sure. It, it, whatever, but you have to trust the Lord, but I think it's important to be unified. Sure. Absolutely. Guys, what do you guys think? Um, what are your kind of thoughts in terms of um, non-negotiables that should be like just a necessary component of a uh, church planning residency? Any thoughts on that? You got to be on the same page. You got to be on the same page because that's when you, you know, all you need is one circumstance or situation to come up before you start to realize that, or maybe we actually don't mean the same thing when we say the same word. And I think that's the, the, the thing about doctrine. Uh, people use the same words. Like you look at, you know, our Mormon friends or whatever, they use Jesus, they use God, they use mm-hmm. spirit, they use this and that. They say Bible, they yep. say inerrant, but they all mean different words. Different things, right? Yeah. So it takes that time. You can't rush through that process. Yeah, to your point, you say inerrant to some guys yeah. and they think King James only. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It's good. Yeah, I totally agree with some of the same things that uh, when you have to be prepared to to get into a conflict with uh, one another and be able to come out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only reason why people get into conflict and be able to come out of it is because they have something that is common between them that binds them together, which is bigger than the conflict itself. So I think that being ready for for facing situations. I mean, I, I, I take this from things that I've learned, especially from uh, um, the relationship between uh, uh, my the, the leaders of, uh, of the church where I'm uh, currently a resident at, is they talk about how they, they manage to navigate their situations, their differences of opinion on different things or approaches and, you know, on different matters. They were able to resolve conflict based necessarily on the fact that they had common ground. Mm-hmm. The things that brought them together uh, doctrinally, spiritually, the passions they had uh, for the Lord and for church planting and for the kingdom uh, that were bigger than their own egos. So so I think that that's something that is that is very necessary. I would say mm-hmm. if you don't have that, I don't think that a, a, resident, a good residence is possible. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And I, I would just to touch on that, I would say, you know, we hear unity thrown around a lot. And I'd say the only thing that I would say is, is absolutely crucial is unity in Christ. Um, that 
that goes without saying. Um, and then, you know, just having integrity. Um, and I would say being humble. Um, you can't go in there with a big head um, because you're, you're just limiting yourself in terms of what you're going to be able to learn from your leadership team. Um, so that's that's where I stand. Oh. I mean, Matt, we, we've always said, you know, we look for guys that are humble and teachable, right? Right. I mean, and I think that uh, just if you're if you're thinking about praying about starting a church playing residency or if you're already leading something like that, like if there's one thing that you can take away from this, like do not accept guys that are not humble and teachable. Like I just I just think it's a train wreck rate waiting to happen. I think yeah. we've seen that. We've experienced that and learned those lessons the hard way in the fellowships network. And and I, but we've also experienced it on the good end because I can say like these three guys at this table are all humble and teachable. Like yeah. it's just they're incredible examples of what it looks like to be humble and teachable, you know, and like and they're all from various different points in their walk with the Lord, you know, like uh, uh, it's and it's just really cool to to watch God work in their lives. You know, man, you you can teach and you can you can coach guys in a lot of things, but you can't teach character and you can't teach integrity. And um, teachability and humility is everything in life. If you're going to be in ministry or you're going to do anything in life in general, you, you're a learner. You're, I, I've always prided myself on being a learner, a lifelong learner. I, I want to learn all the time. And I learn from these guys, you know, I mean, look at a guy like all these guys have various, uh, you know, Jermaine has worked in, you know, uh, the hip hop industry and, and recording Christian recording and, and doing graphic art and all this kind of stuff. He brings like these really visionary creative type skills. Joshua is a, you know, a bodybuilder and, and a personal trainer and he, he's got all those cool tattoos, you know, and uh, no, I'm just joking. But like, <laughs> but you know, he's, uh, he's helped me with my fitness. Steven's got years of ministry um, from Zimbabwe to new Orleans and just, you know, it's, you know, but at the same time, they all bring unique gifts, but yep. they're all learners and they're mm-hmm. teachable. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that, you, you just can't coach that. You can't teach. Jermaine is cooler than me. Josh is stronger than me. And Steven is smarter than me. And so that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, a couple last things before we, we close it out. This, the, some notes I had jotted down when I, when I talk about components, uh, necessary components of a church planning residency, you need consistency. Uh, so you, wherever, however often you decide to meet with your cohort, I would suggest monthly uh, at a minimum. Um, and it needs to be consistent. You've got to, uh, and you've got to have a plan when you meet. Don't just like wing it whenever you meet up and well, we'll just talk about whatever comes up. You need to have a plan. What are you going to go over? Give them assignments and things to work on, you know, like, uh, and not just book work like Matt was talking about at the beginning, like get out in the harvest, like set an expectation for like, okay, uh, you know, get out in the harvest and talk to people in your field. You know, how's it going? Uh, go with them. Uh, go with your church planning residents in the harvest. Um, and then accountability is obviously a huge piece. That's got to be there. Um, there's got to be, if man, if you're going to have church planning residents, I, I think Stephen was talking about this earlier. There just needs to be, it needs to be a given that um, your church planning residents are signing up for, I'm giving you permission to ask me about anything in my life. Nothing's off the table. I am going to be completely open and transparent and honest because I've got nothing to hide. Because if you're not willing to be completely open and transparent and honest, then we can't, you know, I don't see how there can be a relationship of trust there. Um, and that's just absolutely critical. And then the last thing is there's got to be an emphasis on the harvest. Um, we cannot, you, I'll, I'll just be honest. Like, I don't think you are running a church planting residency if what all you do is you have them read books and then you meet up for classroom work once a month. That's not a church planning residency. There's no, there's no participation. There's no field work. There's got to be field work involved. Uh, there's got to be action. You've got to give the guys that you're training opportunities to put into practice the things that they're learning, or they're not going to be prepared for the rigors of actual church planting when it's when they actually are sent out and they start doing it. Like they're not going to be ready. They're going to be you know still wet behind the ears, and they're going to be in for a rude awakening. And so. It, 
rather you'd rather have them endure some of those early uh, hiccups while they're in the safety of a residency, so that doesn't completely rock them, right? Uh, it's so much safer uh, that way, and it's gonna just set them up for success long term. So, man, that's a good word. Can I just say something before we wrap yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. I I know like there's somebody out there listening, and they're like, man, I I see. I hear the value in this. I see it and I really want to do it, but like, how can I do it? You know, I, I just talked to so many leaders that they, they look at stuff like that God's done here and, and they look at it like, well, man, praise God, but that would never happen here. And, uh, I would just say how to begin, start praying right now that God would bring a young man into your life or it could be an older man. I'm just saying a, a leader that you can pour into and start. And, and begin to do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, maybe you're a pastor and you, you want to give your life to a, a, a pastor resident. You want to teach them how to be a pastor. Like it may not has, doesn't have to necessarily be a church planner, but you know, uh, start to pray and ask God and then look around you. I, I get, we, we always think we got to go here, there and everywhere to try to find church planners. And man, they're, if we would open our eyes and if we would pray, they're they're around us. They're in our congregations. They're in our sphere of influence. They're in our relationships. And I would just say start in those two areas. Mm-hmm. Pray and then look who's in front of you now. Yep. I think about Jermaine's story, right? And he was going to uh, Fellowship Pickering, right? And you just sat him down one day. And unbeknownst to you, God had already been talking to him about this. And you sat him down one day and said, have you ever thought about planting a church? And Jermaine's, you know, well, funny that you mentioned that, you know, I have been thinking about it a little bit and God be, continued to work. And, and uh, unbeknownst to you, also, Jermaine had had a conversation, him and his wife had had Jen and I over and they spoke with us about it. Right. And so God was just setting that up. And that, so there was a church planter right in your midst. Right. And then, you know, a year later, we look back and, you know, Jermaine's well on his way and he's doing incredible things in North Oshawa. He's in the harvest. He's having tons of gospel conversations and you know god's getting ready to god's already using him you know in some powerful ways so it's pretty cool yeah absolutely yeah well guys i want to thank you uh, our listeners for listening to this week's episode as always you can head over to our website www.getinthetrenches.com and there you can find the links to all the other episodes blog posts and you can also get in touch with matt and i Uh, we've also got our free ebook which is a which is basically uh 30 curated uh, church planting quotes, 30 of our favorite church planting quotes. Uh, And so if you sign up for our email um, list, then you can download that free ebook. Uh, It's available on the front page of our website. Um, And uh, also make sure you uh, jump on to iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher if you haven't yet and hit the subscribe button uh, and leave a five-star rating. Um, And that helps get this podcast uh, into the hands of more church planters um, so that it can benefit them. Uh, Really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Hope you have a great week. Uh, We'll see you next Monday with another episode. And until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planters.